everyone. I'm Dr. Susie Green, founder and CEO of the Positivity Institute, and welcome to the Pioneers of Positive Education podcast series four, where I'll be chatting to those pioneers of positive education, those that have forged forward in their mission to create flourishing students, staff, and whole school communities. I'll be speaking to POSED pioneers from various schools around Australia over coming weeks to talk with them about their experiences and journeys in positive education. I hope you enjoy the show. Today, I'm speaking with Sean Reardon and Susie Ahern from Brisbane Boys College. Sean is the Deputy Headmaster, Head of Senior School and Student Wellbeing. He's a passionate educator who's held leadership roles across multiple sectors. Prior to joining Brisbane Boys College, Sean was the head of senior school at Canterbury College, the Dean of Learning and Teaching at St Joseph's Nudgee College, having previously worked in curriculum development roles and as a head of English. Sean's focus is on staff development, overseeing all elements of professional practice, including the college's partnership coaching program, professional learning, performance planning and career development. Susie Ahern is the Director of Positive Education and Wellbeing at Brisbane Boys College. With almost 40 years in education, Susie has researched, designed and culturally aligned a number of pre-prep to Year 12 positive education programs that sit as foundation documents to action, purpose-built pastoral care and wellbeing frameworks. Susie started her educational journey as a physical education teacher after completing her tertiary training at James Cook University in North Queensland. She ventured into pastoral care, well-being and school executive positions after discovering an innate passion and need for authentic and individualised staff, student and community well-being. Well, welcome, Sean and Susie. It's so great to have you here. And how are you both today? Thanks, Susie. Fantastic to be with you. (laughs) We've got the Susie Susie show. Yes, we have. I'll have to know which Susie's which. <laughs> Tricky. So, Sean, could you tell us a little bit? I've had the the pleasure and the privilege of uh, have having been up to visit Brisbane Boys College a little while back now, pre-COVID. Um, but Correct. would you love to tell us about Brisbane Boys College, a little bit about the history and uh, and the school itself? So, Brisbane Boys College is a, a day and boarding school for. We have about 1,500 students and about 150 of those are boarders. Uh, we belong to the greater public school system in Brisbane. So the college has a long history, you know, over 100 years old. So certainly a milestone sort of institution in, in Brisbane and a part of that long-standing history of schools um, that have connected together through the greater public system. But also certainly a school that we'd like to think is very responsive to contemporary education and to the context in which we find ourselves in the world, which obviously recently, as you mentioned, is also around a COVID experience and having to be flexible and adaptable. So I guess we pride ourselves on being a combination of a historical Christian faith-based institution, which has cared for boys over a long period of time, but also a modern responsive institution that like to think that we're taking on programs that are evidence-based and that are best practice. That's fantastic, Sean. I will encourage people to head to your website because it's very impressive and it, I think it reflects exactly what you've said. It's certainly got that modern take on it and, and it's green, so that's <laughs> it's a great colour. And uh, 
Green at BBC, Susie Green. It's a yeah. perfect fit with the uh, the flourishing as the as well, isn't it? So, Sean, as you know, one of the reasons I guess I had a connection to BBC was Paul Brown, uh, your principal, who I'd met many years ago at uh, at Knox, being the first school that I had the the opportunity to work with. It was about back in 2010, uh, I think maybe, even a little bit earlier. But what about you, Sean? What's your background or introduction to whether you call it positive education or I guess the broader field of the science of wellbeing? Look, I think, Susie, in many ways, you know, I've been educating young men for about 25 years or so. I feel like I've been immersed in this space and world for a long period of time. I think that over the last decade, you know, with other colleagues from other schools and also my own experience at Brisbane Boys College, I've been introduced to to positive education over time, to the wellbeing data and research over time. So I think for me, it's been probably maybe the last six to seven years that I've, I've kind of had a dipping my toe in the water with with both POSET and wellbeing. Um, and I think it really coalesces really well with the journey that I've been on at schools, both here at BBC but also at other schools. I've come out of both working in the Anglican sector and also in the Catholic sector. And certainly with Catholic sector, um, social justice teaching, there's a lot of coalescence with the positive psychology, the positive education, the sense of flourishing, that's really always been a goal for me with the boys that I've worked with or girls that I've worked with in co-educational environments. So I guess it's been a long journey, but over the last three or four years in meeting yourself, in meeting Susie Ahern, who works with us here at BBC, I've, it's been an enriching experience and knowing more about that and how it works in a, in a school context has been really exciting for me. Yeah, fantastic, Sean. I think you're in the the right place, certainly. And so, Susie, technically, or the director, formerly the director of positive education at at Brisbane Boys College? Yes. Yeah. So, can you tell us what brought you to POSED? And I believe you had a history prior to coming to BBC as well. Yes. So, my journey probably started with regard to positive education about 2010 or 11, just picking up a few books, interestingly enough, at the um, airport news agency when I, they started publishing them. And then my my boss at Townsville Grammar uh, was really interested in it. So the journey started with a half-day visit to Geelong Grammar back in the day in 2011, and from there I was hooked, came back. It was a pretty easy sell because my boss was pretty keen to do something around it, but we just had to learn about it first. Mm-hmm. So we just got a few like-minded people together, took about a year to sort of really look into the research at the time and created a prep to year 12 strength-based approach to wellbeing and and pitted our staff and parents. So we're lucky enough to sort of, you know, enter it in that way, even though it did have a few glitches along the way. And it's been up and forward ever since. I'm also someone that practised it myself and, and continue to practise it. And I sort of know what works for me and what doesn't work for me, my family being my biggest guinea pigs. Uh, <laughs> I use it every day of my life. You know, I wake up every day saying, just see you just trying to be the best person you can be today. Mm-hmm. Not that it doesn't work until I, you know, I don't even get out the door. Yeah, so it's it's a lifestyle, I think, yes. for me. And there's been a few PPIs that, that I've practised and gone, oh, my, why didn't I know this? <laughs> 20 years ago, I would be better. I'd be a much better person because I, so I think because it works, I'm yes. really hooked. 
and no, well-being is important. So, yeah, my journey is yeah, probably about 10 or 11 years ago now and, and I just love everything about it. So you're a great example of the mantra, I guess, that Geelong created, which is to to learn it and live it as an yeah. educator before teaching it and embedding it um, and yeah. just highlighting that important role in uh, embracing and finding your own way of embracing it because everyone's different and some of the PPIs resonate for some people and they don't resonate for others and, and oh, sure. activity fit yeah. too. Yeah. So, I think that's definitely been a real insightful, you know, somewhere like BBC who's, who's taken a program on and designed our own program has been how do different people connect with these concepts and ideas and everyone brings their own experiences to it and as Susie said it's it's about finding out where is the key for that person around how they can embrace this and you know make their life you know a journey towards flourishing. So as you said Sean it hasn't really been a, a program and and we know generally that for uh, I guess this to be successful it needs to be strategic and and really aligned to the school ethos can you tell us a little bit about that your own I guess bespoke approach to POSED or wellbeing at BBC? So I guess, you know, traditionally a school like BBC has a has a pastoral care model. We've had a, a, a vertical house system over a long period of time. Um, so the, the business of caring for students and of students taking some ownership for their own personal wellbeing and care as well is well established. But the idea that you would be more on purpose about these things and more directed about these things was something that emerged for us maybe five or six years ago and trying to work out a way that we could embed the research-based practices that, that people know work and how could we make that part of, I guess, our programs and our daily life. And, and that was at where we began our search to find someone in Susie Ahern who, who could champion that who had had experience at another school but who was also really keen to find the pulse and the beat and the heart of Brisbane Boys College and then shape a program around that so you know we've been really fortunate to have Susie but also really fortunate to have many other leaders in our school who've been willing to embrace this process and this way of operating. Yeah, real um, openness to it and absolutely a gem you've found there <laughs> with Susie. And, indeed, uh, a gem indeed. And so, Susie, can you tell us a little bit about what POSED or your uh, approach to wellbeing at BBC actually looks like right now? How would people know it's a well, a POSED school or a wellbeing, a school that has wholeheartedly embraced wellbeing science? What I try to do in a nutshell in, in my previous school and BBC and the schools I've worked at overseas and uh, around the country, what we first of all do is have a look at cut the current practices around wellbeing and pastoral care, see what's working well, what's not working well. We're not throwing everything out. We're going to capture what we can. Look at the values and traditions of the school and then try and marry what's working well in that space and culturally align it with the principles of benefit for positive psychology. So designing a framework is where I start and it's always strengths-based and in that strengths-based approach we put lots of things into it. I try really hard to encourage the idea of it's not just for boys in classrooms, it's for every boy in every classroom in the school from prep to year 12. It's for our staff, it's for all of our staff 
whether it's cleaning staff, corporate staff, ground staff, catering staff, and it's for our parents. So the idea is to build a community approach to it. I think answering the question about how would they know, I think in the short time I've been here, which is just two and a half years, all parents know we have a positive education program that sits explicitly in three lessons a week. Pretty much every student you speak to at school would know their top three character strengths. Fantastic. I'm going to say, Susie, that that it's the language that's evident in daily life of people. Yeah. And kids can talk about their character strengths and staff can talk about their character strengths. That's, I guess, really clear evidence that, you know, that's working, that, that people are embracing those ideas. So that wellbeing literacy, and you're probably aware that Melbourne University are doing quite yeah. a significant amount of research on that, and there's actually a measure of that now, which might be something to consider, but you're actually seeing it in real life. You're yes. you've observed the uptake. You've... Oh, look, when you can walk into a preschool yeah. and a preschool student can say, I don't think you're being very crudent, miss. <laughs> or, you know, or a grade nine boy can say, oh, that was very socially intelligent of me, was it, you know? <laughs> so, and, and also it's not just about knowing your strengths, it's about appreciating them and being able to use them at the right time, boost them when you need to, temper them when you need to. So in my previous school, I know it's happening here, when we talk to boys about their behaviour expectations, my conversation with any boy that's you know needs to speak to me about their behaviour, we would, let's just have to think about your strengths first. And often, you know, they've overused them. Yeah. You know, hacking into a, a computer system is really great curiosity, but I think you've gone far. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a wonderful way, isn't it, to, yeah. to get feedback or to address that? Yeah. Because but you're it's right. It's all about character strengths. It's, you know, it's about teaching habits and um, creating habits in your life to embrace flow when you need it, you know, like we can flow on a rugby field, but are we flowing in the classroom, you know? Being mindful in the moment. You can't you can't kick a goal, you can't get an A if you're not mindful about what you're doing in relationships and things like that, you know. Active constructive responding is the best thing you can teach a parent ever. Wonderful. To listen to understand rather than listen to respond. You know Wonderful. Yeah. I think if you think around character strengths as well, one of the things that's been evident to me is groups of people, and it might be students, but it might be adults, who work together when they know their own character strengths but also the character strengths of others and they're able to articulate that with each other, all of a sudden potential barriers start to fall away because people are identifying what can I bring to this group, what can someone else bring to this group. If I know that other person's strengths, I know that I can work with them around those and tap into that. So I think even from my experience as a member of the college executive leadership team, you know, at the start of every year, we've gone through our surveys as well and we've identified our strengths again and openly had them on the table in front of us. That's wonderful. Every year you you sort of revisit it and, and consider how it might be useful. Yeah, well, the year 7 to 12 always redo their VIA character strength survey in week one or two of term one. Well, we get, get them while they're fresh, not drained. Mm. Staff do it as well because they do change. And just storytelling about how your character strengths change. Yes. It's interesting, Susie, you've probably heard this before. When you bring change, there's always a little bit of resistance and a you know reluctance to get on board because it's just an add-on. Yes. And I think it's a hard slog 
but you capture one or two every time I, I present staff PDs. And it's lovely to see that resistant or reluctant person come back and say, I, I think I get it, Susie. I think yes. I get it. I get it. Can you tell me a bit more about this? Because we expect teachers to do it all, like well-being, bullying, sun safety, road awareness, now consent, you know, without any training. Yeah, we've definitely made a very purposeful decision to invest significantly in the professional learning of staff around well-being and positive education so that people are as equipped as possible to manage that with students. And further, as Susie mentioned earlier, and I think it's very opposite, is it's only through your lived experience and your belief. You know, once you've tried a few things out for yourself and you come to an understanding of how powerful this can be in your own life, that you become an advocate in doing that work with students. So I think our commitment to that process ongoing, so, you know, even now in, in, in our sort of third year of iteration of this sort of process, we are still investing in training staff yeah it's so important isn't it and to have uh, a lot of schools have these dedicated pd days but to have wherever you can sort of weave it in um, i know some schools uh, that we've worked with that have done it really well find actually try and i guess put it on every agenda in some small way to just continue to drip feed Uh, and i heard one of the the members of of our group uh, pioneers of posed mentioned the other week that one of the most powerful uh, techniques that they're using is well-being word of the week, which uh, yeah. I thought that oh, was, fabulous. yes, and I am actually had a, a slight lapse of memory as to who it was that said it, and I'd love to reference her. And I guess that's a fantastic way to sort of drip feed it again and build that well-being literacy, isn't it? That's exactly what we do in the junior school, and I love that word, the thread. And in my mind, my mantra is to keep that well-being thread alive. Yes. Strong tight and tangle free um, <laughs> so the junior school we have our, all of our year sixes are what they're called character coaches right so they go into the prep right through to their own cohorts every week and focus on a character strength and that deliver the theory about it I and love the, that. and then practice little activities and it's just a gem to see in action who actually is, is in the role of the character coach Year sixes, year year six. six boys. It's an amazing program, and our what we've just started, Susie, is we have appointed three well-being leaders in the junior school, middle, lower, middle, and upper primary, and we're now embedding well-being literacy through character strengths plus our values. We've got four values, newly developed values in the junior school, into the curriculum in units of work. Wow. Now I know schools have done that, but this is a real focus on every unit's different. So we look at the unit. We don't go in there purposely to just make it posited. We, yes. we look at the unit. It's already Most of it's already embedded in the Australian curriculum already, but there is a lot embedded. And then at the end, analyse, did it work? Did we capture that strength, you know? Um, and hopefully that will eventually feed right through to 12. An ongoing basis, but it sounds like you carve out time to actually consider how it might be embedded. I heard again another member of our group talk about that they've been doing it so long at their school that the educators just um, seamlessly seem to weave it in because they're, yes. you know, and, and but that's taken quite a period of time to get to that. But yes. I think perhaps in the early stages having some reflective time to, to sit back and look at it, as you said, the, yes. the study and then how it might be able to be embedded 
might be quite helpful in those uh, particularly early stages. Yeah, I think that's right. You've, you've got to sort of pick an approach and the approach that we have here is these three explicit lessons, 30-minute lessons per week for every 7 to 12 student. I deliver forums to the full cohorts where, you know, if they haven't captured it in class, at least I'm, you know, reinforcing it. We have a bit of fun with those. I think you're right. I mean, my key mindset is always just hasten slowly because people yes. want to do too much too far and it gets Zest, a bit full on. Overzesting over is what I'm... My, yeah, overzesting. <laughs> my colleague yeah. accused of that all, and I don't know about accused, but critiqued on that all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Susie Hearn and I might both have been accused of being overzesting too. <laughs> yeah. So, Sean, from a leadership perspective... Could you share any learnings that you've had in terms of uh, taking this, the whole school on this journey? Look, I think all of the lessons are probably around that hasten slowly and do it well. It has to be research-based and really depth in terms of the knowledge of, of your key staff. So for us, it was really important to appoint someone to lead the program um, who had significant experience and that Susie's been able to do that. I think then you've got to be measured in your approach and you need to, uh, I think Susie mentioned earlier, you really need to tap into the heartbeat of the school, the history of the school, the processes of the school already uh, and see where you can align, develop, you know, maybe push the boundaries as well over time. I think it's important for staff to have that opportunity to experience what character strengths mean in their own life to, to look at practices that they can embed so that when they're operating with students, they feel comfortable talking about it. I think you've got to have a clear structure in terms of a framework. Uh, and so that was a big piece of work for us in the first year is trying to identify well, how would we use the character strengths, you know, what would be the framework that we would put together. And, and you know, we've ended up using our, our Aspire framework which allows us to map the character strengths in those big picture areas. And so we feel as if it's good to have hats to hang uh, on. And I think you've also got to be committed and, and tenacious and, and believe in, you, in yourself and your processes because obviously in any big organisation, anything that's new to people, that's on the cutting edge, that's pushing forward, you, you've got to be committed to that process and you've got to have good answers to authentic and genuine questions that people might have around how it's going to work in our context. You've got to be also open to hear those things and to adapt and be flexible about how you deliver. So I think we've learned a lot of lessons along the way and I'm sure we've made errors, but I think we've been honest and direct and committed and passionate about what we want to do because we believe that it works and we believe that, you know, our young people at the moment, there is a lot of issues around, you know, anxiety and depression and all, all of the mental health issues that, you know, we all know about. And we're very keen to make sure that not only are we looking after the students who maybe have fallen over for whatever reason, our, our schools or these types of schools have good programs and processes to do that. Yeah. But, you know, we want to work with the 85%, you know, of our population who we want to build resilience and we want to build tenacity and we want to build these other character strengths um, so that, they are capable of, you know, bouncing back when things do happen, of more than just 
you know, responding to the challenges of life, but actually flourishing in those circumstances, extending themselves, challenging themselves, you know, working in their learning zone rather than just their comfort zone. So I think we've learned a lot of things. It's so wonderful. And the response by the parent body has been positive overall. Yeah, well, I think the thing about parents is in our experiences, and I'm sure this is the case in, in other schools I've worked at and, and Susie and others have worked in, I mean, what parents want is the best for their, for their young people. They want to know that they're cared for, that they're looked after, that there's a structured approach to how we do well-being and how we do positive education. So I think that when you're explicit about that and you include them and you welcome them into the community. So we've had parent sessions, obviously, as well. I think that's the key to, to you know, and I think it comes from an altruistic place where we really believe that young people can be their best selves and that we think these processes that we're putting in place expedite that process, accelerate that process, deepen that process for for our young people. And, you know, they're living in a world that, that does have challenges that they're going to need to meet. We're really big on leadership. Susan mentioned that earlier around, um, you know, what we do with our students around leading. We believe that they have a moral obligation to their communities to be just, fair, responsible, altruistic leaders when they move forward. So, you know, we feel like a lot of the things that we're doing around this space, parents are really encouraged by and really happy and they see the results in their kids. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic, Sean. Susie, could I just change that about with the parents? Whenever I've delivered a parent forum or an academic presentation around positive psychology, I always, you know, frame it from Marty's comment about what a school wants from a school and what a parent wants from a school. It's usually pretty different, but when you marry them together, you get positive. And that's a really lovely starting point. And it gives parents permission to sort of take the, the foot off accelerated with regard to you know academic progress and achievement mm-hmm. and gives them permission to actually get to know their child's strengths rather than focusing on their weaknesses yeah um, it's a lovely thing and parents are usually easy to capture because they want the best for their themselves i'm running a parent pd this year sadly we were trying to do it last year through COVID, it didn't work but parents love it they just love this idea of you know working with their children and what's working well the one thing that i i to have to keep on going back to with staff and parents and anyone is positive psychology was created for people who are coping to make them thrive. So we really have to be conscious and aware of any of our employees or students who are below that line are already getting wonderful treatment through psychologists or psychiatric Mm. companies. So the positive psychology interventions that we teach may not benefit them at this point in their life. And it's really important to acknowledge staff that might be suffering, that we expect Mm. they can just go on and teach it, because they can't. No, that's such an important point, Susie. Thank you for raising that. Yeah, and and I have to remind people all the time about that because we just can't expect everybody to take this on board. So that that resistance and reluctance is sometimes coming from really, really sensitive and important. Absolutely. And I think you... The role that you're in, I'd assume you'd have, you know, a sense of checking in with how people are travelling. Yeah, it's a yeah. small, it's it's big, but it's still a small enough organisation, if you like, for you to to keep track of how people are actually individually responding and, and yeah. addressing those uh, concerns. Yeah, really crucial that, very important. 
Mm, absolutely. Now, we could chat all day. There's so much happening at, at your school. I just did want to check. You mentioned there's an SEL program in junior school. Is that yes. correct? Yes. Is that one that you've created or specifically? No. Um, one of our fantastic counsellors has created it from existing programs. But once again, she has been able to sort of align it with what we want for boys. Fantastic. Um, and we've also aligned that with our Aspire. So the Aspire model yes. is bespoke to BBC because we're a very altruistic school and we're a very physical school and we're a spiritual school. So, they, yes. you know, the letters work really well with intellectual relationships and emotions as well. That's an explicit lesson that's embedded in the um, junior school timetable as well. So we're lucky to have that and that's been here for a while. So it, it went with Kids Matters through, I forget the new program that they and then that yeah. follows through. Then there's sort of a follows through into the three lessons a week in senior school. Yes, yeah. Yes, and correct. can I ask, is your visual model is that actually on your website? Can people see that, or is that just an internal uh, model at the moment? Uh, no, it, the Aspire model is on it. There's, a, there's an actual link to a wellbeing booklet on our website great. that sort of was presented last year that encapsulates our whole approach to wellbeing. I'm not quite sure if our promotional document is on there yet. Yeah, I mean, I just want to thank you and and to all the other schools that have been on the podcast series because I, you know, receive emails from people across the world. And as you know, Australia's leading the way in this space and other schools across the world are looking and keen to hear uh, how other schools have actually, you know, what they've done. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and knowledge. Um, is there anything that you'd like to uh, finish on and perhaps a, a story that highlights the impact or the power of, of POSED or, or any final comments that you might have to share with people that are perhaps at the beginning or, or even middle way of their journey? Well, when I was sort of uh, reflecting on some of the topics that we could be talking about today, the future of POSED really got me, Susie, and yes. I, I sort of put down three notes here for myself. And they're all around hope because hope is my top strength. One of mine too. <laughs> um, and so I, I said to myself, what do I hope for looking forward in five, five years from a positive education or positive psychology in-school perspective? And I went straight to community. So the first one is my hope for the future positive is to have it more community-centric, and that's where I come from all the time. Because the recent pandemic um, has highlighted the importance for sustainable mental health and well-being for sure. So it's actually not just an essential thriving habit, it's a survival habit these days that you have to create. So, you know, that's what I hope in five years' time that we've got this. It's more in the community, it's not just in schools. The second one was we should be valuing positive psychology interventions as much as we do traditional psychological therapies. And my third one was that everybody would wake up and say, today I'm going to be the best person I can be, the kindest person I can be, the bravest word, you know. And, and do that. So. I love those hopes. Thank you so much, Susie, for sharing. I, I share those hopes with you. And what about you, Sean? Oh, I actually think Susie's just wrapped up very well there because <laughs> one of the conversations that I've just been in very recently is about a school like BBC is very good at community. And COVID has challenged us to think of different ways to be connected to each other mm. to ensure that we are hopeful and inspiring each other to be the best versions of ourselves and digging within ourselves to make that happen. So 
at the moment, what one of the things that we're grappling with is how do we ensure that we're staying connected? How do we ensure that our community spirit is alive and thriving in challenging times? So I think, mm. I think Susie's right. How do we make sure that the whole of our community is being catered for on a considered, regular, definitive basis around our own well-being, around what gives us hope for the future, around what makes us better people, around what makes us altruistic and giving human beings, and how we can then connect that to the broader world beyond our own direct community. So it's an exciting journey to be on. It's certainly so. You really are what has been referred to as an activating hub of community well-being. You're a, and positive energizers creating that uh, social and emotional contagion. Uh, so thank you. Congratulations to you. Keep up the wonderful work. And uh, I'm sure uh, that if anyone had any queries that you'd be available to answer those because I know that in the spirit of positive psychology and POSED, for sure. Many of the schools I've worked with have reached out to other schools that have been on the journey and they've uh, been very generous in their sharing. Thank you for all your work. I love reading all your papers and downloading just recently after the Congress. So, um, and I follow your Facebook and, and for allowing me to stalk your Instagram to make sure that I'm inspired <laughs> constantly by the work you're doing and by the, by the fun you're having and you're swimming and you're running and yeah. We love it. You've got to, you got to walk the talk, I think, too. So Absolutely. We do our best, don't we? So, uh, well, thank you so much, Susie and Sean, and all the best, and we'll look forward to see you hopefully in person very, very soon. That's right. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Pioneers of Positive Education podcast series four. If you're enjoying the series and you're a school leader who wants to take a strategic and sustainable approach to POSED, contact us at info at thepositivityinstitute.com.au to find out how we might work with you and your school. In the meantime, you might like to check out my new podcast, The Positivity Prescription, available on iTunes and Spotify. And don't forget to sign up for our free e-news at the Positivity Institute website, where you'll be kept in the loop for all things positive. Bye for now.